0: It's over (laughs) 9,000!
1: Welcome, Super Elite Warriors, to Final Forum, a podcast for the discussion of all things Dragon Ball. I am your host, Jelly, an elite recruiting member of the Frieza Force, on a mission to find the best warriors from across the galaxy to join the greatest army of all time. And I am joined, as always, by my new recruit co-host...
0: This is the Bikini. Welcome back, everyone.
1: And I have some excellent news.
0: You saw me in the shower this morning?
1: Ew. No. That would be even worse news for my continued deteriorating mental health. No, Bikini, Lord Frieza himself has deemed it necessary to send someone to evaluate my condition.
0: How's that good news? Lord Frieza thinks you're crazy. He's probably scrambling trying to find a new host for this podcast.
1: Right, which means I'm probably going to be sent home for the first time in years to receive some much-needed R&R.
0: You've been exploring the galaxy largely on your own. For years? That explains a lot. You know what? Even though your continued ignorance has become an insane detriment to me personally, in that everyone else here is following your lead and ignoring me as well, I hope you get that vacation. You clearly need it.
1: It's good to know that even the part of my brain that feels bad about having defeated and killed you in glorious battle knows that I deserve some respite.
0: And speaking of vacations... Stop. What?
1: What do you think you're doing?
0: I was going to introduce the topic of discussion.
1: First of all, never do that again. Why not? Because that's my thing. I'm the seasoned veteran and I do that. Why? Because that's the way it is.
0: According to who?
1: Second of all, speaking of vacations, that's a terrible transition. What's so bad about it? How about that this week's topic of discussion has pretty much nothing to do with vacations?
0: Last week's had pretty much nothing to do with shamelessly shilling for ratings and reviews, but you made that transition. Why can't I say, speaking of vacations, we really wish Goku would get one, but he has bigger things to worry about, or something. Because that's not how any of this works. Seems to me like it is. Listen.
1: I don't hear anything.
0: Exactly. The background noise that usually filters in while we're in pre- and post-topic mode has stopped. That means we're in podcast discussion mode.
1: How did you do that?
0: If I'm you, then I can do anything you can do.
1: Well, you got me there, I guess. Well, let's discuss this week's episode. So All this right. week, this week we'll be talking about what is it like? Episode 58? Episode
0: fifty-eight. The uh, the land of Korin, or Karin, or Karin, depending on your translation. That's that's correct. <laughs> Uh, as we've done previously in establishing the setting, first in rural China, then in furthering western locales throughout the Pilaf Arc, then in Siberia during Muscle Tower portion of the story, uh, we see through lots of shots of oak trees and pine trees that we are now in North America. My guess is Pacific Northwest, but I could be wrong. Hmm. Uh, so we open this episode on Blue lamenting his situation as he rides a camel across the desert. Then we cut to Red Ribbon Headquarters, where Red is playing billiards, evilly. Black enters, and they discuss Goku heading west towards Colonel Yellow. Next, we cut to a giant dig site near a volcano, where Yellow, who is a Tiger Man, receives a report of a Dragon Ball being found. He orders in a helicopter to retrieve it, as it is very close to the lava in the caldera of the volcano. Our next scene is our introduction to the auspicious Korin Tower. Here we are introduced to Upa and Bora, who live at the base of said tower. We get a look at Bora's strength when he saves his son from a giant, very familiar-looking fish. The helicopter yellow-called-in lowers in a lead-suited lackey into the volcano where he grabs the Dragon Ball, only to be caught in a sudden and violent eruption. Said eruption creates some problems for Upa and Bora, but they manage to survive. They also find the Dragon Ball. More helicopters are called in to continue the search for the Dragon Ball, and they decide to set up shot right next door to Upa and Bora. Upon finding the natives, Red Ribbon kicks their colonizing into high gear in and attempt to enslave the mighty Bora. Sadly, their worst nightmare, a bulletproof brown man. Before putting foot to ass, Bora gives the bad guys a little history lesson on Koran Tower. Apparently, God was born here, and he now lives on top of the tower. I wonder if that's foreshadowing in some way. Anyway, Bora cleans house, and Yellow flies away like a coward. I'm sensing a pun there. Bora, ever environmentally conscious, decides to bury the colonizers that he killed. Yellow calls in at a, his embarrassing defeat, and he's given an ultimatum by Red. Get that Dragon Ball in one hour, or we're calling in Tau Pai, Pai Everyone collectively almost craps their pants at the mention of Tau Pai Pai. Yellow decides the only thing left for him to do is to kidnap Upa and hold him hostage. Sensing a little bit of a theme here with Red Ribbon. But before Yellow can get his hands on the ball, Goku shows up, takes him out, and as thanks, Bora gives him the four-star Dragon Ball. And while Goku celebrates his find, Taopai-Pai shows up at headquarters to receive his orders.
1: Yeah, the, the, that's the episode. It's it's There's not a whole lot happening. I did take note of that, too, that, like, early on, he Bora, like, chucks the spear through that one dude.
0: And through the tree.
1: Yeah. And then the other guys, I assumed, initially, he just seems to beat up, right? He doesn't necessarily kill them, from what I kind of saw. But then, when Yellow is flying around and has Upa, and he's kidnapped him, he very clearly has dug graves for these guys.
0: (laughs) There's, like, he's, like, picking up the bodies, and there's, like, a casual line where he's just like, I'm gonna go bury these bodies now. Yes! (laughs) Like,
1: Yeah, he just... He just murdered these guys
0: <laughs> which I love cuz anybody that would kill fascists I'm 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 all right with that.
1: <laughs> it also uh it also dovetails us into our topic of discussion uh and before we get too deep into this one let's let's do our 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 little reminder here once more.
0: I feel like we've been doing this a lot lately.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would say in this one we'll we'll I'm sure we'll just keep talking about it. I can get behind excusing a Japanese born and raised person for not knowing the intricacies of Native American culture in the United States.
0: I feel like there might be some sort of parallel there between him and us when it comes to investigating cultures of a foreign nation.
1: Yes. (laughs) So before we get too deep into this topic, let's just remind everyone. Akira Toriyama is a product of Japanese education of the 60s and 70s. His knowledge of most culture in general tends to come from movies more than education that he barely paid attention to in the first place. And when it comes to Native America's indigenous peoples, his official schooling is extremely minimal. And that's like a Japan-wide thing. Why would they teach people about the indigenous peoples of America we don't teach they they,
0: they barely teach it in America so
1: (laughs) (laughs) and we we certainly don't teach anything about you know like in school you will you won't learn about how like Okinawa was conquered by Japan and the Okinawans hate the mainland Japanese and um, what's there's another tribe now this is testing my my recall ability but there's a movie (sighs) there's a movie directed by Ishiro Honda called Half Human, which is about an abominable snowman. And it has been sort of never released really in Japan because it is seen as being insensitive to the people of Ple. that I'm sure if one of my friends from the Kaiju Transmissions podcast were here, they could be like, Oh, it's the whatever people, but I can't think of what those people are off the top of my head. But yeah, we don't, teach about that stuff here right in america so uh why would his (laughs) his his official schooling is just minimal so his reference material leans even further into movies and if you're familiar with how indigenous people were depicted in the movies that toriyama most likely saw as a kid you can probably see where all this is going (laughs) he (laughs) does get he does get a little bit of historical knowledge on the subject via a one-time visit to a world folk museum, but that's hardly a deep dive into the complex history and culture of native American people. He just cherry picks some imagery he likes. And also I don't know anything about this museum, but I was in a museum in, Oh, what was the name of that? Lafayette, Louisiana. And, and it was like, some people think that humans may have evolved. <laughs> like, I was
0: like, "Oh my goodness!" I think I think it's there's a museum by, I believe the gentleman's name is Ken Ham, that is a museum from the historical perspective of Christian cre- creationists, hmm. and it shows like cavemen living side by side by dinosaurs and things like that. <laughs> So,
1: so, yes, just because something's in a museum also doesn't mean it's, you know, <laughs> right <laughs> the best reference point. So, just as, just as one example of the type of thing that we could reasonably expect Toriyama to have seen is the movie Peter Pan. We know he likes Disney movies, and Peter Pan is a Disney movie. It predates his earliest memory of a Disney movie, where he says 101 Dalmatians was, like, kind of his lightbulb moment, but... You know Disney movies have that ubiquitousness to them, right? Where they're like always being re released and always being seen. And if it's been a little while since you've seen Peter Pan, fire up your Disney Plus and don't blame us when you're pretty horrified by its depiction of Indigenous people. <laughs> if, if you've and never pretty seen, bad. It, and if you've never seen it, and you don't have Disney Plus, the Native Americans in Peter Pan are literally colored red. Their speech patterns are the most stereotypical broken grammar you can imagine, complete with the additional ums afterwards, you know, like smoke um piece pipe. And they are one of the main, one of the more antagonistic uh, features of the movie. It's like the, the kid's, go out like kind of looking for them and they end up having a war with each other and then Peter Pan has to broker a peace treaty between them. It's the, the the Native Americans in the movie are 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 depicted terribly. And I could get on a whole soapbox about how certain groups of people take umbrage today with mildly adult jokes appearing in Disney properties and they say things like, oh it's not what it used to be as if it used to be this wholesome perfect thing and they ignore or forget what these movies could sometimes be like, but I think, or at least maybe I hope that if you've stuck it out with us this long on this podcast, I'd just be preaching to the choir. Uh, Suffice to say Toriyama has a less than adequate or favorable mental image of native Americans due to the things he watches.
0: Now, granted, Dragon Ball has always simplified the cultures it's borrowing, and furthermore has often fused these things together. So it's fairly on brand, but Toriyama's condensing 500 plus different tribes and cultures into two characters in a singular mishmash. And he's doing so from a basis of stereotypes that are already doing that. So let's just say that the Braves featured in Dragon Ball don't actually reflect any actual tribe. But if we're looking for Toriyama's inspiration points, look no further than Native Native American actor Will Sampson, who is most well-known for his role as the chief in One who, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, also plays Chief Ten Bears in the film The Outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, he's a towering man, and his resemblance in Josie Wales is uncannily similar to Bora.
1: Aside from in Josie Wales, his face is painted blue. But like aside from that, it's pretty similar.
0: There is still some face paint on Bora, so I guess there's still oh, yeah. a
1: parallel there. It's, it's in Josie Wales, he has, like, his whole face is painted blue, and then he has the red markings on top of that. And then Bora just has just the red markings. Okay. Uh,
0: as we're on real-world inspirations here, let's note that the TP shouldn't be there as geographically and behaviorally. Bora and Upa are most similar to Navajo, who lived in permanent-style Hogan homes, uh, but Toriyama either didn't know, which is the most likely explanation, or didn't care, which isn't as likely but also possible, I guess, <laughs> because he just liked the look of a teepee, and uh, so he used the Comanche teepees in Dragon Ball. Uh, either way, this is Toriyama fusing cultures to make something that's his own. These braves, named Wora have a very spiritual worldview and consider everything to have a spirit with man serving as the protector of these natural forces. Uh, this is in direct opposition to the Red Ribbon Army's view that's cut and dry, which is organic versus inorganic forces and might making right. No balance, just more power to the powerful.
1: And so st- stereotypically, Comanche, who Toriyama's is borrowing the teepees and the appearance of Bora physically from, were the villains of many Westerns. And this is partly because in real life, the Comanche were among the more violent tribes in their fight against American frontiersmen and hostile forces. They obviously had complete reason to be, but they earned a reputation and became sort of folkloric villains to a lot of Americans. They wound up being depicted as the antagonist to many a cowboy in American entertainment, a practice that went on for generations Uh, just to, to, point out an example the other day I was scrolling through social media and I happened to see a short reel of a Porky Pig cartoon where he wears like a coonskin cap and so he's supposed to be I don't even know if like in the they call him like Porky Boone or something like that I, I <laughs> um, but he keeps coming across a, a villainous and antagonistic Native American named good God Injun Joe and, I
0: think I think I may have also seen this as well.
1: And even though this short is from 1945, it was aired on television without any sort of dec- disclaimer as to it being, you know, possibly not great, <laughs> as recently as 2001. Oof. Now Toriyama wants to do his thing, and his thing is to subvert expectations. So he wants his Braves to be the opposite of the stereotype that he's familiar with. But in doing so, he falls into a different stereotype, that of the noble savage. The noble savage is a spiritual, sometimes mystical guardian of a sacred land, living in harmony with nature, clinging to his life despite all attempts by modernity at introducing itself and intruding and distracting him. Sounds a hell of a lot like what we see at this episode. (laughs) Uh, The... The noble savage is meant to be a positive depiction of a Native American who has been attacked by Western powers, but still remains true to his noble ideas. The problem is it's still a stereotype. It still oversimplifies cultures and often still depicts indigenous peoples as uncultured and savage. It also is an extrapolation by non-Native Americans of a people they subjugated and therefore is rooted in an imperialistic worldview. It's sort of like I have black friends.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I get where you're going with that. It's
1: a push in the opposite direction from, say, the natives of pretty much any incarnation of the King Kong story, where they're the antagonists who steal a pretty blonde white woman and sacrifice her to their god. That God being King Kong, obviously. Notable examples of the noble savage include like Pocahontas and Dances with Wolves. But the stereotype is not only limited to Native American peoples. This is something that is just a a universal stereotype. Uh, The Studio Ghibli film Princess Mononoke, which I absolutely love. It might be my favorite Ghibli film.
0: You're, You're not alone. There's a lot of folks that love that movie. Features, I also
1: enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. It, its main character is Prince Ashitaka. He's the prince of the Amishi and they are or were a people who were conquered and genocided by the Yayoi Japanese. Ashitaka is portrayed with all of the trappings of the noble savage. Trope, he's the sole voice of reason and unclouded by hatred in the Irontown Town versus Forest conflict. It's a, it's just a somewhat fetishistic way of depicting the backgrounds of these real cultures by romanticizing and idealizing them and it, and making them seem like these perfect things, despite them having been wiped off the face of the earth or crippled beyond recognition by imperial conquests and expansion over you know centuries. Yeesh.
0: So Bora and Upa, as names, have no known origin. There's nothing but theories, as Toriyama is no help in remembering, because he probably doesn't even remember why he did it. He says he thinks he had friends who had dogs with those names, maybe, but he doesn't recall, and if those were the dog names, they had to come from somewhere, right? So the possibilities include Bora being named after Bora Bora, and Upa being named after a native dance to Tahiti known as the Upa Upa. Or that they're named after a pair of rivers in the USSR known as the Bora and Upa rivers as a contrast between these characters and the Red Ribbon Army, which is totalitarian communist in nature. Or yes, that they're named after dogs. (laughs) Bora and Upa are the first father-son pairing depicted in Dragon Ball, and one of the show's very few familial relationships. The only others in the Dragon Ball portion of the story at least are Goku and his grandpa Gohan, Dr. Brief and Bulma, and Bulma's mom, still no name. But in contrast to his depiction of the brief family as being at odds with one another, Toriyama depicts Bora and Uba as very loving and well-bonded. It's similar to how he was depicted Goku when thinking about and discussing his grandfather, and it could have something to do with all those characters being depicted as less civilized or at least not westernized and living more in their moments and finding their greatness and their tasks and their spirituality. They do not strive to achieve great feats and accomplishments. They just try to do their best at everything that they do.
1: It's the only father-son pairing until we get to Z where we then have lots of them
0: for better and for worse. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Rounding some things out here. We have the, the, the appearance of Colonel yellow is it Colonel yellow or commander yellow Colonel yellow.
0: I, I, I double checked this myself because I also wasn't sure
1: outside of being an anthropomorphic tiger man. He's likely inspired, his appearance at least, by films such as Django, not the Tarantino one. Uh, obviously, I should, I should at least say <laughs> this. There's, there's a whole series. There was another?
0: <laughs>
1: well, there's like a bunch of Django movies from like the yeah. 60s. Uh, but also A Fistful of Dollars, which is an awesome Clint Eastwood one. And the John Wayne movie Flying Tigers. Colonel Yellow is dressed as a fighter pilot. So he's literally a flying tiger. Tigers often symbolize strength and power and predatory tendencies. So it makes sense that a tiger would work for the red ribbon army. Also, this just clicked in my brain when you kept talking about, you were like, he gets a helicopter and he gets another helicopter and then there's more helicopters.
0: Yeah even his plane has a helicopter rotor
1: (laughs) that just reminded me it reminded me of as you were saying it um the movie kong skull island if you've never seen the movie like there was a little tiff when that movie came out that they show like five helicopters take off from this boat and then Mm -hmm. and then when they first get to the island there's like Thirty helicopters and Kong destroys like fourteen of them, and then somehow there are no helicopters left. And everyone's like, "Exactly what? what Exactly how many helicopters were there?" <laughs> and it was actually all the helicopters.
0: Don't think about it.
1: <laughs> it was actually enough of a of a big deal that, in in a joking way, the director Jordan Vote Roberts got on, I believe it was Honest Trailers when they did their Honest trailer for the movie. The trailer goes off like a normal honest trailer until it gets to that part where the the epic voice guy is like just how many helicopters were there on this boat and it's like time out time out this is Jordan Vogt-Roberts Vaught- I'm going to explain exactly where all the tel- helicopters came from you idiots <laughs> like <laughs> and then yellow has a bunch of western men with him he's got like the one dude is wearing a cowboy hat another dude is wearing like the the shirt with the the what do you call those ruffles they're not ruffles the the tasks like yeah the the tassels so we get our cowboys versus indians battle here because if you're gonna be akira toriyama and you're gonna be inspired by westerns you gotta have your cowboys versus indians battle right
0: of course and i just realized the word we were looking for was fringe
1: ah fringe again this is toriyama like flipping that script right the cowboys are the bad guys and the 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 Native Americans are the good guys, and also the Native Americans win, as opposed to every single Western. <laughs> That's you.
0: I'll, I small victories, I guess. We'll <laughs> take them where we can get them.
1: So this that just kind of dovetails us into our discussion of you know indigenous peoples and how they've been depicted in media over the years. It's, I'll say for Dragon Ball for this, it's not
0: great. Yeah, it's it's. it's it's, it's not. not the worst I've seen. With like movies like Peter Pan and, and like that Looney Tunes bit that we were just talking about, like those are some of the worst that I've seen. This right. is not the worst that I've seen. Th- these uh, these natives are at least depicted in a positive light, and they're shown, you know, kicking colonizer ass, which is great. But it's still not great because, like, like we already discussed in detail, it's it's reducing a ton of different cultures and a ton of different tribes that have, and and this, these things have already been reduced for, for Western media. And then using that reduced version, plus a visit to a museum to come up with your own extra reduced, concentrated version is not great. (laughs) But Uh, when you consider that that's what he started with, it could have gone a lot worse.
1: Right. Right. Especially in the way, Bora and Yupa speak. I talked about in in Peter Pan. That was the one where it, it, you know, just most stuck out to me because I actually have watched Peter Pan within the last few months here. I was like, Oh my God. Oh no, this is please stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's it's really bad.
1: (laughs) And Bora has way more lines than Yupa, but he has a normal vocabulary you know he doesn't have his his he doesn't add the the characteristic ums on the end
0: yeah and the sentences aren't like broken up awkwardly or anything like right
1: that. and for whomever dubbed it and i know the way the du like the dragon ball funimation dub that we all know the dragon ball portion of the story actually post dates z because that's kind of the way it that it was released here. Funimation did mm-hmm. Z first and then Dragon Ball. So it was dubbed in the later 90s rather than in, you know, the, the mid 80s. Still, though, I think hats off to, and I want to pull up whoever dubbed this guy, because he wisely sidesteps any stereotypical Native American intonations i think actually hang on I, I looked this up before we started recording and i forgot it already because i am a bad person he provided he, he's the guy who voiced cell really yeah
0: oh that's cool <laughs> learn something new every day
1: damian clark voice actor known for perfect cell
0: yeah oh that's cool I had no idea.
1: So, hats off. That's
0: how that's how you know a voice actor is talented when they can do multiple parts and you don't notice.
1: Well, what's funny is I was like I was kind of paying closer attention just to the voice itself because I wanted to see if I picked up on any I'm, I'm not going to try and do a bad impression of one. Any
0: problematic things, yeah.
1: Mention. I I was so I was like trying to like lean in a little more and pay I honestly at a couple different points thought it was uh Chris Sabat.
0: I could see that. Yeah,
1: the, the dub actor—he has a certain gruff. Oh, my son! And I was like, "Oh, that's oh." <laughs> like it was, it was almost exactly. I think he said, "Like, like, oh, not my son." And I was like, "Oh, that's Chris Sabat." <laughs> so yes, there there's some good side steps there, but you know, again, this is this is another thing of like, thankfully, we have come a much further way, and. I'm I'm date I'm I'm dating this episode in terms of when we've recorded it versus when we released it but we just saw the release uh somewhat recently it's been out for a bit now of the movie Prey which is the oh, I love that movie. The the Predator prequel from 2022. So when you're listening to this in 2023 when it's first released or Hey, maybe maybe you're a latecomer to the Final Forum Family, the FFF. <laughs> and and you're we, listening to this, we in...
0: actually sent this this episode forward in time.
1: <laughs> and you're listening to this in 2024 or 2025, anytime before, you know, the 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 heat death of the the planet. <laughs> I would say the universe, but this planet's going to be dead long before then.
0: <laughs> also true. <laughs> Don't um, think about that folks.
1: But it but but just uh that's that's when this movie came out it was in 2022 Prey. It's definitely we've come a long way, right? Rather than having uh any characters play any sort of brown face or red face or whatever you might want to call it and affect bad accents and things, it is portrayed by a lot of Native American actors. For all of the Native American parts. Yes, they do sometimes get the tribes wrong. Like I think Amber Mid Thunder, who is the main character, is actually a Sioux and you know, she's playing a Comanche, but like
0: I heard she was Lakota. I could be wrong though.
1: Uh either
0: way, she's not Comanche and she's playing a Comanche. It's a complicated subject, folks. <laughs> Toriyama couldn't even get it right. Don't don't have too high standards from us.
1: Again, I mean, is that is that's one of those things, like how nitty gritty do you really want to be about it, right? Like, could a English dude play an Italian, right? Like, I mean, they're both just white dudes. I mean, My, we, we
0: have we have English people playing Americans in the movies all the time.
1: Right. I think that representation is is good. You know, I don't wanna I don't wanna get into nitpicking tribes. I mean, they found a good Native American actress and caster in a role in a major movie. I love that movie, too. I think like. What a just obvious solution. I to... saw
0: one for uh, uh, someone had pitched one on, on Facebook. It was the same idea where they do Japan. Oh, I would watch that. They have. Uh, that. I can't remember the actor's name. He played Scorpion in Mortal Kombat. I can't remember his name. But they were they were pitting him as the next main character for the next Predator film. And I really like this idea that people are pushing like, oh, you got to do period pieces for these movies and show Predators showing up on Earth in different time frames yeah. in history. Uh, I, was, I thought that was amazing.
1: I saw that pitch too. It was uh, Hiroyuki Sonata. That's and, the one. Yes. Yeah. One of the more underused Actors in terms of his talent versus how he gets used in most Hollywood blockbusters is a very good actor and a very talented, you know, like martial artist, at least for film. He's always in movies for like 14 seconds and you're like, what the uh um, cause he's also in Wolverine for like a hot minute.
0: That's right. Yes, that's, that's correct. Yeah. But yeah. And they're, they're, they're pitching him as, is, is, uh, the main character in a, a feudal era, uh, Japan predator movie. And I was like, hell yeah, that sounds amazing. I'd be all for that,
1: especially cause, and, and maybe it'll happen. I would, I would love for it to happen. Uh, because you know, like Michelle Yeoh had damn near given up on acting in American, productions before everything everywhere all at once oh that movie's so good <laughs> and she was like she was like i'm done i just you know everyone keeps promising me things and they never actually follow through on it like i'll just be in you know i'm just kind of done and then the daniels who directed that movie like sent her the script and called her up and they're like that's you're the main character yeah and these doors are opening more for people these days uh, to portray themselves like not themselves even but even, their...
0: even right in everything everywhere all at once is i can't pronounce his name properly but data from the goonies it's a similar story he had given up on doing american film for something like 30 years and then he just said well okay what the hell i'll try this one yeah it's and it's like he was K- fantastic in that movie as well
1: kei or ki hui kwan
0: i I, yeah, I think it's something like that i don't I don't want to try it though. Cause I don't think I can say it properly.
1: <laughs> yeah. He had like given up. Yeah. Acting in general also. Yeah. I think it's cool that, that these, these things are starting to get out there more and get out there more acceptably. Uh, one thing that, that we talked about briefly uh, offline before getting on here was the show uh, reservation dogs. I've only seen one episode. I know it's fairly popular. I just haven't, quite gotten around to it yet
0: it's on my list of stuff to watch I, I also have not quite gotten around to it yet. I
1: liked the episode I'm in a I'm in a tough spot myself right now I don't want to get too far down a tangent of I have this thing where I don't want to say I'm anti I'm, I'm not at all anti Taika YTD right now but I'm getting a little weary of his name just being attached to something as like oh you should see this because his name's attached to it because yeah a lot of times, his name is attached to things, and then you end up finding out that like he barely did anything for that, and and some it, and that's both a good and a bad thing. Sometimes, like his name is attached to what we do in the shadows, and a lot of people consider what we do in the shadows a Taika Waititi show the the show more than the movie. Uh, he yeah. did he did direct the movie and he like co wrote the movie with Jermaine Clement, but he has. Almost nothing to do with the TV show after yeah, the first the TV season.
0: Show is is more uh, Jermaine's baby, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think even now, we're 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 getting into like the third and fourth seasons of that show. Even Jermaine Clement has kind of stepped away a little bit more, and it's more just the writers who have been kind of co-writing a lot of the show with him are starting to take over, and and you could kind of see it the 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 second and third seasons don't feel as much exactly like the movie as as the first season kind of did. Yeah. So back to Reservation Dogs, I just didn't jump into it because I also watched Our Flag Means Death, which is another show that was marketed as like a Taika YTD show, and it turns out that he's just in it. <laughs> <And> that's it. <laughs> I don't want to get too far down that tangent, but Our Flag Means Death is perfectly fine. But I didn't love it. It's a very cute and quaint show, but I it's low on genuine belly laughs. So I was wary of getting into Reservation Dogs. But two things. One, I've watched one episode, I laughed, so I will be back for more. And two, it is also like written and produced and created by Native Americans. The co-creator that see Taika Waititi's credit as a co-creator, but I kind of wonder from what I've heard that might just be just to get it off the ground. But Sterling Sterling Harjo or Harjo, I'm not sure, is a, a citizen of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma, and then the show is about living on the uh, reservation in Oklahoma. We've we've gone from in your. 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s the native american people being depicted as the antagonists the bad guys to the cowboys right like almost yeah. all the time or yeah. if not the bad guys to the cowboys like indigenous peoples in general being depicted as like just outright back savages yeah. you know you like I, I mentioned the king kong stuff i mean pretty much every depiction of the natives in King Kong is problematic the only exception actually maybe being Kong Skull Island the peter jackson one is particularly bad actually especially for a movie released in
0: 2005 uh, i i often forget that the peter jackson king kong exists <laughs> honestly <laughs> like so, like every every once in a while i'll see it like like it'll pop up and i'll be like oh right that's a movie that has jack black in it Oh, let me watch that really quick. I haven't watched it in a while. And then I get like, you know, half an hour into it. And I'm like, oh, right. That's why I never watched this movie because it's yes. terrible.
1: It's. I don't think it's terrible. I think it's far too long.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: And I really think if you could get in there with like a, you know, chainsaw and edit the damn thing down to like a tight. 105 to 115 minutes you'd actually have something really really good but we have gone from native americans being antagonists to then swinging too much in the opposite direction right and being like oh well you don't like them being antagonist then i'll just make them the hero you know like and yeah. doing the doing the noble savage thing or the um, the other the other trope that the noble savage is savage is comparable to is the um, and this is the name of the trope so please don't take offense trigger warning but it's called the magical Negro
0: the sage like black guy yeah I'm trying to think of the last time that was used in a movie and unfortunately I'm drawing a blank <laughs> One example
1: weirdly that 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 like, comes immediately to my mind is. And it's weird because other than just this moment, I haven't probably thought about this movie in a long, long time. The movie waiting
0: during uh, Justin long and, and they're working in like a, like almost like a shenanigans. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, I do know that movie.
1: One of the, one of the cooks, like one of the line cooks is like a a magical Negro guy. He's always like, Oh, you have to find your own penis showing game. Oh, and the, like,
0: the dishwasher guy. Yes, and he,
1: Yeah. And he's like, like, calmly washing the dishes and stuff yeah so yeah we've gone from the negative depictions to swinging in the opposite direction and making them like like the noble savage which is a you know a, a, a dragon ball thing it's a pocahontas thing that was a that movie's a a, a definite yeah, white whitewashing of a of a more complicated character you know yeah probably yeah um. <laughs> Now, here we are in the 21st century and we're getting these more nuanced portrayals and these more accurate portrayals and portrayals written by people who are indigenous people and portrayed then also by people who are indigenous people. I think it's great. I think it's all for the better.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Kind of to circle back around to pray, I, I really liked it. I'm obviously not an expert in like diversity or anything like that. So I don't know if there's anything in the movie that would be an issue. I didn't notice anything. I thought they did a pretty good job from what I know, sort of depicting native life from that time period. Please don't crucify me if I'm wrong about this. But I just wanted to say that they did a really good job. And on top of that, they, they, they still made a good movie which is, I think, uh, a powerful ingredient for that because it gets that in front of more people's eyes and sort of helps normalize it right. and helps
1: push progress a little bit further. Well, and I'll say this for Prey especially. like, And probably, again, I haven't watched Reservation Dogs, but I'll say even more so than Reservation Dogs because it seems to me Reservation Reservation Dogs is about the struggles of being a Native American in the 21st century America. Prey is not really about being a Native American. It just has that as sort of its backdrop. And for me, that kind of stuff is always just the best solution because that's the stuff where when someone starts complaining about it and not if, when you can really point at that person and be like, you're just an idiot. Like you have an (laughs) ax, you have an ax to grind. If that's your problem, because this is not a movie. Prey is not a movie about how the native Americans are these communal beings with nature and their way of life is perfect. It's not preaching about any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't fall into any of those weird tropes. Like, like avatar kind of does where like, these are fairly advanced beings in Avatar, yeah. but they're definitely stand-ins for Native Americans. But they call, yeah. they they don't just call Earthlings Earthlings, they call them sky people and like all kinds of. <laughs> like, but so I think Prey is that perfect kind of movie where you get all of that diversity and representation and all of that stuff and it never feels like it's trying to preach to people at any point it's just a matter of fact of the movie yeah
0: it's it's more a consequence of the time period and and location that they pick as opposed to be like you said being the focus because i mean it's 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 present but it's not the point of the movie and there's also other things like they depict some french trappers in the movie which is a thing that native americans had to deal with Mm -hmm. and it it's but not in like a like i always feel a lot of times when natives are represented in media they try to give everything sort of like a spiritual bend Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that wasn't really present in this movie it was more like it's just about a group of natives living their life and then they just happen to run into a predator and this is what happens
1: yeah yeah before we get back into dragon ball just what a I mean, what a perfect solution to resurrecting the Predator franchise.
0: Oh my god, yes.
1: And I mean, it makes sense. It makes complete sense, right? The first movie's amazing and it's just a predator dropped into the the
0: so, Is it South America? I'm pretty sure it's South America.
1: Like the South American jungle and against a a, you know, military unit. And then even the second one has some problems with it. But what works about it is all the stuff that's like, just drop a predator into modern a modern day city. That's the formula that works for for the predator franchise. Just exactly drop a predator into a situation. Just drop a predator into a situation,
0: and then let your writers go nuts with coming up with crazy stuff.
1: Yes, instead of I don't know, super Iron Man predator and. Uh, autism as a superpower and oh
0: which is another issue in and of the, that's oh boy
1: <laughs> and predator dogs getting brain damage and puking up grenades at convenient timing for people to use and that's all the predator from 20, 2018 that i'm talking about now
0: yeah it wasn't great <laughs> it was terrible was pretty bad. bad,
1: like the part where he cuts the dude's arm off and uses it to give the thumbs up <laughs> what the hell even was that movie
0: i I don't a fever dream I think
1: that's just that's just our our talk, our discussion of indigenous peoples in media. We get a couple of them here in Dragon Ball, and the results are somewhat predictably I guess mixed,
0: yes. But this episode totally redeems itself by introducing the best villain right at the very end.
1: Yes, and we'll have whole discussions about Tao Pai Pai, or as he is also known, Mercenary Tao. I think that'll be our next episode will be Tao Pai Pai.
0: Nice. I'm looking forward to that one.
1: And then the one after that, we are going to do Master Korin, a.k.a. Karin, and talk about why it's Karin versus Korin and all that good stuff. So we'll we'll have a whole episode talking about that guy pretty soon. But this is we are we are into the grand finale kind of of well, not kind of, but but the grand finale of the Red Ribbon Army saga. Uh, this is going to be cruel. Commander Red, we are going to finish dealing with the Red Ribbon Army my, to my memory. This is certainly a step forward in the right direction, better than the general blue stuff. I, I still think i in fact, I would say, from this point on, if my memory serves each arc is better than the last one in the dragon ball portion of the story
0: yeah i could I could get behind that
1: that's just my recollection also
0: I could get behind that i I'll go along with that yeah, that to my recollection that sounds about accurate.
1: it might be that the The final tournament might not be quite as good as the King Piccolo stuff. Yeah, but we'll see. Still pretty good. It's it's, (laughs) it definitely we're we're back on the uptick.
0: This is our way of telling you folks to get hype for the next the next few episodes.
1: Yes, because it's gonna get good,
0: (laughs) and we will probably disappoint you.
1: (laughs) Uh, And for next time, we'll probably discuss. I think the first, not the first, but the next. I think it'll be the next two or three episodes. I wish I knew every time we recorded that I could tell you, Oh, watch the next two or watch the next three. But you know, I'm, I'm bad at jumping ahead enough to know.
0: Well, and Uh, our, 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 process is fluid. We, we sometimes have to rethink subjects and stuff, depending on how much, you know, material we can find.
1: And how many episodes really focus on the thing that we want to talk about. This episode, I wanted to talk about this. Cause I think it's pretty interesting stuff, right? Like this, this has been a a long road to hoe for native American people who also, we didn't even mention just recently got a, a racial epithet taken off of one of the professional sports teams. We're talking about Cleveland here. <laughs> so which one are you talking about?
0: I mean, I guess that's, uh, I was talking thing. about
1: Washington
0: oh yeah no i was thinking i was thinking cleveland uh,
1: <laughs> let's say let you know we still have a ways to go when you don't which one
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> but i think it's a it's a it's a always a good and interesting discussion to have so uh, but next time we'll be talking about a, an antagonist and the time after that we'll be talking about master corin and then beyond that who knows? We, we have to finish dealing with Commander Red and then we'll do our usual um, manga recap as we've we've done in the past. So that's where it's we're headed.
0: You, it's also possible you could watch, you know, episodes ahead and then you will know what we're going to talk about. You could. But we don't want to we don't want to spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> that, we don't want to spoil a, a TV series that's been around since the 80s. So Right. See? A whole discussion. And I started it.
1: And if you were real, you'd be serving latrine duty for the rest of the week as penance for usurping my authority.
0: How many more times do I have to tell you? I. Am. Real.
1: You know what? Let's end this once and for all. You say you're right outside the door to my barracks, right?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And you say everyone is just ignoring you because I am. Yes. Okay... Ugh, dang. This is bright out here.
0: And what else? Bikini? Is that really you? Yes, like I've told you every day for the past week, it's me. You're alive? How are you alive? I can't help but feel like this reunion would maybe be a bigger deal, at least on my part, if you hadn't spent an entire week almost purposely ignoring my existence and forcing me to spend all my time trying to get you to notice me.
1: Fine, if you don't want to tell me how you're still alive...
0: I think for our listeners, it's probably pretty obvious that every time I spit before battle...
1: Disgusting habit, by the way. Though, I suppose it could be worse. You could pee yourself with fear, since you're such an inferior fighter.
0: Inferior fighter? We went toe-to-toe!
1: And it took you a week longer to recover from your injuries than I.
0: I've been here this entire time!
1: Nah, you definitely sound different now that you're no longer just a voice inside my head.
0: Hey, I was trying to tell you how I survived.
1: Nobody cares, recruit. It's time to get back to
0: work. Work? Isn't our job to scour the galaxy for warriors? We still don't have a fully functioning mastership. The reconstruction crews have just been arriving in pods.
1: But Lord Frieza is sending a psychiatric evaluator our way. We'll have a ride soon enough.
0: Did you... No couldn't have
1: i bet i know what you were going to ask
0: doubt it you never know what i'm about to say ever
1: was i just faking my mental incapacitation to get a ride how did you was i also baiting bikini into a trap so i could punish him
0: oh you son of a
1: will bikini be able to polish the toilets so that i could see my face in them find out next time and help us achieve our final forum is written and produced by Tom Guelli. It is performed by Dan Kinney and Tom Guelli. Our webmaster is Dan Kinney. Our theme music is provided by YouTube content creator, GVG Kit. Want to learn more about the Dragon Ball universe, including concept art, behind the scenes interviews, and recommendations from Jelly and Bikini? Connect with us on social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Final Forum Pod. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you receive your podcasts. And of course, make sure to share with your friends and family and help us spread the word of the glory of Lord Frieza. The Frieza Force thanks you for your listenership.